0: Coming up on podcast 1610, the first drive reviews are in of the smart number one. Sorry, hashtag one. Oh, terrible name. But how does it drive? I'll let you know. Also on the show today, Neo's configurator opens in Norway. The Audi Q4 e-tron is now available in the US and Arrival build their first van, that. And a lot more happening today, so stick around for your Saturday edition of the podcast. You know, sometimes I think... Oh, maybe it's the weekend. If I can do like a little 10-minute podcast, I'll get back to my weekend, and I've looked through the news, and I think this is maybe the longest show of the week. So, no dilly-dally. Let's get on with it. Just the essentials today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, it's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. For Saturday 1st of October, my name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story in the last 24 hours, and whittled it down to what you need to know. Welcome to a new Patreon, executive producer, Will. Hello, Will. Carol. Now, most people do sign up at the exec producer level. That's $10 a month to put the show on the air, but you haven't got to. The free version will always be free, uh, but you can get your ad free feed uh, on the Patreon dashboard. We'll start with news of Hyundai and a little follow up of a story that I've been. Keeping an eye on, mentioned a couple of times, Hyundai are now confirmed to be looking at whether it's feasible to bring forward the construction of their US plant in Georgia to October 2024. That is speeding up by about six months. Now, as you may know, subsidies of $7,500 per car available if the cars are assembled in North America from the 1st of January. So whilst the diplomacy continues and South Korea arguing it's unfair, I don't see how it'll change. Biden side that in Biden has signed into law already um, that the car maker does have facilities in the US. Their combustion cars are made in Alabama, but that's not easy to convert that plant to a full EV plant. So that could be some good news but obviously still 2 years away from Hyundai building uh, brilliant cars like the Arnig 5 and the new, the new Kona, uh, which we saw, I think, yesterday's show, we were talking about how the insides have got the Arnick 5's inside with the big screen and the climate strip and all that kind of stuff. So great cars could well be made on US soil. Now, some great news as well, that the Audi Q4 e-tron is available to buy in the US. And the reviews are in from US media. So what do they make of the Q4 e-tron? Well, Autoblog points out that whilst it's smaller than the e-tron and the e-tron Sportback that was introduced back in 2019 by a uh, shorter by about a foot. It does weigh a thousand pounds less and it costs $22,000 less to get into one. Pricing of the Q4 e tron starts at 49995 for the base model. That's the 40 the Q4 40. 201 horsepower, single motor, rear wheel drive, 0 to 60, 7.9 seconds. Now, step up a model to the 50, the Q450, uh, for $5,000 more. You get dual motor, almost 300 horsepower, 0 to 60 in 5.8 seconds. And then there's the sportback version of that as well for 57995 with the same power and specs as the Q450 eTron. All models have the big battery. It's the 82-kilowatt-hour battery. Of course, it's the MEB platform from Volkswagen, so like the VW ID4. That car, though, does start for $11,000 less than the base Q4, but you're getting an Audi, and it's very different to the Volkswagen ID4. After an afternoon driving the Q450 with some epic Southern Californian roads, writes Autoblog, we are left impressed. It costs more than the ID4, but more than justifies the premium, with a significantly nicer interior and easier-to-use controls. More direct competitors include the Volvo XC40 Recharge and the Mercedes-Benz EQB. What about car and driver? They say some choices are questionable, like the four-way flat disc for the audio controls, where you... Trace your finger around the outer edge to adjust the volume. And swipe touch controls that open the sunroof and shade and close it again. And there's more of those on the steering wheel. I must admit, I'm not a fan. Shiny buttons or shiny areas. And if you want to increase the volume, if you want to increase the temperature, you got to slide your finger across it. But it's a very imprecise way of inputting the human interaction to it. I, I understand why they've gone down that route. Give me a button or a knob to change the volume. Volkswagen had a great steering wheel with the Golf and then broke it all with their electric vehicles. That's a subjective one. Car and Driver says that one-pedal driving, which is an EV novelty, isn't offered here. Uh, Audi's philosophy being most drivers find it hard to do smoothly. So you've got steering wheel paddles with four levels of regen, the highest being like a B-mode, which will go down to about three miles an hour, but then you've got to press the brake pedal to actually come to a stop. And again, just Just put that as a toggle in the software somewhere. You haven't got to have it turned on even by default. But give me the option, because it can be done. It's just how the software controls the motors. And I would just like that to be a toggle switch somewhere in the car setup menu, because I would turn it on. I want one-pedal driving, not because I'm an EV nerd, because I'm lazy. Let's move on. And global sales of electric vehicles, or NEVs, new energy vehicles. So, plug-ins electrics and the three hydrogen cars that were sold. Um, In August, I know we're just happy first of the month in October, but now we've got the August data fully compiled. And in the first eight months of the year, 5.965 million EVs. In the month of August, 915,000. That's almost a million a month. So it's really scaling as we go through the year, um, pure electric vehicles in the month, 691,000. Uh, that's an increase of 11%. Plug-in hybrids were flat at 224. China is the biggest market with 12% month-on-month growth and in the month of August alone 569,000 EVs sold out of the total 915. Europe was 155 and the US is quite a long way behind with their electric vehicle adoption curve but I think catching up quickly. What model was the number one globally? We're talking globally here. Model Y. Back on top, uh, of course, Tesla don't announce these figures, but we think we think somewhere around 90 to 91,000 model wise in the month of August. Now, uh, the reviews are in for the smart number one, or as I incorrectly called it yesterday, the number one. Uh, this is the smart hashtag one. Uh, top Gear start off their entire review by saying, Yes. Smart, who is owned by Mercedes and Geely these days, makers of Volvo's and Polestars, they want us to call it the hashtag one, like someone who's just discovered Twitter or the internet. Not number one, not the smart one, but the smart hashtag one, like uh, some sort of middle-aged dad, of which I am one, by the way, um, trying to sound cool and down with the kids and saying hashtag cringe. Yeah, and um, this is the first car that Smart has launched on their new um, platform, the Geely platform, the SEA2 platform, and it's a 50-50 joint venture between Geely and the Chinese company and Mercedes-Benz. Size-wise, this is not a smart car, as my previous podcast pointed out. Um, this is very much... The Mini Countryman, and the Mini these days is not a mini car anymore. Um, it's very much a mid-size, well, a small crossover, depending depending on what market you're in. You might think mid-size is small or whatever, but the Smart UK boss David Brown telling Top Gear that the Mini is one of the main rivals. Smart goes up against the VW ID3 and the Hyundai Kona, all the same size. The Smart, hashtag one, Hate the name, uh, gets 66 kilowatt hours of battery, 273 miles of range inside. A bit of Mercedes influence there with recognizable parts. And on the Pro Plus version of this, it starts at 39,000 euros in France. Translation, 35,000 pounds. So that is bang in Kona Nero ID3 territory. So this better be good. But how good is it? Well, Autocar says all versions use the same uh nmc battery nickel manganese cobalt uh 66 kilowatt hour 150 kilowatt dc fast charging that's that's good depends what the adoption curve is like if that peak rate can be held that's good 22 kilowatt ac charging also very good a uh, big boot and a frunk as well a uh, polestar and volvo use android automotive but smart don't they're using geely's ecar x interface Which is not finished, they say. It's clumsy, unintuitive, and there's embarrassing syntax and spelling errors in the translation to English. There's three driving modes, eco, comfort, and sport. But because you don't have things like adaptive dampers, all it really does is remap the accelerator pedal and the steering weight. Standard kit is impressive. Panoramic roof, electrically adjustable, heated front seats, powered tailgate, and the car will arrive in the UK second half of next year. And Auto Express got to drive the hot version of this, the Brabus, hashtag one, terrible name, has huge straight line pace, says Auto Express, and a nicely finished cabin. But the fact this will cost you uh, £42,000, maybe more, is hard to overlook. And this is a small car. This is smaller than the Kona. Um, and not much more driving pleasure comes from the Brabus version. All-wheel drive, very powerful, extra motor, of course, but it cuts the range. Is this a case of more being less? Ask Auto Express. I'll pop a link to all of those reviews, those first drives. In the show notes, you can take a look at the pictures, read what the journalists who've driven the car think of it. I really like the look, the styling. Looks contemporary, looks funky, looks a bit Chinese, actually, but it is a Chinese car, and it is coming to the UK and European markets. It is a small car. And when you look at the pictures, and it is a bit smaller than a Kona, but like a Mini Countryman is about the same, you know, the right size. And you think, okay, that's good for a small family, not carrying too much. From a name which many people will associate with city cars, you know, the Smart 4.4 or the Smart 4.2, as they move into a bigger crossover segment, they are starting to build that reputation from scratch. 35 grand is a lot of money. Now, you know, I know it's... In the ballpark, if this was 25 to 28, like the MG4, another Chinese car with exceptional value, similar size specs, by the way, and range and battery and all those things, no mention of vehicle to load on the smart, hashtag one, terrible name, 25 to 28 grand, it's compelling, it's Chinese, people will take a punt on this, but again, inside, it's got those Mercedes switchgear bits from the parts bin, it is a bit more premium they probably think they can argue why it should be thirty-five to £42,000. But you've got a big sales job on your hands to sell any of those smart hashtag ones. Terrible name. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon, we'll talk about Arrival building their first bus and construction of GridServe's third electric forecourt. Stick around. Those stories are on the way. Ah, Apologies for being a bit croaky today. I've had this cold for a week and it's coming and going and coming and going. One of those ones. I can't shake it off fully. As my wife nags me correctly, uh, she says, look, if you slept more than four or five hours a night and didn't have two jobs and weren't constantly working, you might get better quicker. She probably has a point. Anyway, sorry for being a little bit still croaky in the throat. Let's talk Neo ET7. Configurator's gone live in Norway and it's priced lower than its Chinese equivalent. Starting price of the ET7, it's a 75-kilowatt-hour battery pack for this uh, Model 3 competitor saloon sedan, is 670,000 Norwegian Nook. It's about, if you want to go to US dollars or euros, near as damn it, 10 to 1. So about uh, $65,000 or euros. We're almost at parity. Um, The ET7 with the 100-kilowatt-hour long-range pack is 750,000 Nook. I'll let you do the maths from now on. You can do divide by 10. Um, Neo's Vehicle Support Battery Swap, and the battery swap stations are being built in Norway and Germany now. So if you use the battery swap service, and you buy the car without the battery, but you lease the battery for a monthly fee, it goes down, and you can get the ET7 for just $588,000. Nook, and the lease is 1400 Per month, and the long-range version is uh, about two thousand NOK per month. Information on Neo's Norwegian website says uh, the cars arrive in four months. Arrival, the builder of commercial vehicles, have completed their first. Car, the first van in production, and they've successfully built their first production verification van at their Bista micro factory. Uh, they say that this is the first one to roll off the line, a proof of concept for their unique production approach. And arrival have been through a pretty tough twelve months actually, and uh, and they uh, need to certainly get back on track of getting those vehicles out the door, building more micro factories around the world but this is an enormously hard endeavor to start a new vehicle company and uh, and not been without its bumps this year, um, I would say, but that's a good bit of news. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act is already having an effect in the minerals and metals market for vehicles to qualify for the $7,500 tax credit from next year. Car makers must not only build cars in America, but also in North America, um, but also source 40% of the EV batteries by value not mass, 40% from the US or a free trade agreement country. That's 50% from 2024 and 100% by 2029. There's a variety of metals like lithium, cobalt, manganese and nickel, which are foundational to electric vehicle batteries. But copper is becoming even more popular. Its ability to conduct electricity puts it in high demand for EV batteries and electronics in general. And the markets are already heating up as more people are looking at building these facilities in the US. So the Inflation Reduction Act, it's the ink is barely dry on the paper after Biden signed it into law. And it seems to be having a pretty quick effect. Now, let's talk about construction beginning in London for the third electric forecourt. Groundbreaking marks the start of construction. London Gatwick is the first airport in the world to host an electric forecourt as well. Due to open next year in 2023, I have a sneaky suspicion this uh, the groundbreaking or the work began either the day before or the day uh, that the Queen died. And so I suspect this press release has sat in drafts over the last couple of weeks, and now they've sent it out. I don't know that. I think... This isn't new news. I think it's a couple of weeks old. But of course, of course, um, everything had to stop uh, because of that uh, that sad event. Um, once completed, the London Gatwick electric forecourt will have 36 EV chargers, all 350 kilowatt DC fast chargers, like at Norwich and Braintree. I think Braintree's got a mix of speeds. I think Norwich is all 350s. I was at Norwich a couple of weeks ago, um, back home visiting my family in Norwich, and it was... Really impressive to go to grid serve Norwich. Loved it. Now, in New York, the governor is driving forward their transition uh, during National Drive Electric Week, saying that the State Department is now taking regulatory action to require all new passenger cars, pickup trucks, SUVs, and sold in New York State to be zero emissions by 2035. California gets the attention, and of course, California is the only state that can set its own emissions rules. Uh, but they are often followed by others but amazing to see new york here doing some very progressive um state regulation to electrify their transport sector and help New York achieve its climate requirements of uh, reducing their greenhouse gases by 80% by 2035. Well done there, New York. Toyota next in the news. Their CEO doubling down on their EV strategy of, well, we don't really want to make EVs. Um, Toyota standing by. Uh, their move to hybrids and hydrogen vehicles. Uh, The head of the company was talking to a group of journalists, including CNBC, earlier this week. And they said the company will move forward with plans to offer a range of powertrains, including hydrogen and hybrids. Uh, He said, Akio Toyoda said, everything is going to be up to the customers to decide. It was through a translator, so always little caveat through a translator. In a roundtable with journalists and Toyota dealers in Las Vegas, he said everything is going to be up to the customer to decide. The automaker is going to present the hard facts. That's the quote, by the way. Present the hard facts about consumer adoption and environmental impact. And they are very, very heavy lobbyists of politicians in the US. Uh, The head of Toyota said it will be difficult to fulfill recent regulations. By 2035, Toyota's strategy has been criticised by the likes of Greenpeace for coming, ranking the very bottom of the entire auto industry for decarbonisation. Now, Volta, uh, the company that makes charging stations for EVs, wants to attract drivers to the cars with educational ads on social media channels. Uh, the ads are hopefully will sway more drivers to the benefits and resonate. Things like costs of driving, the savings, and the EVs are more fun. Uh, Volta say, we recognise that cars are emotional and Americans have a personal and cultural attachment to them. So making switching to EV is intimidating to many. That is the chief commercial officer of Volta, Brant Hastings. The campaign ties in with uh, other automaker advertisements, as we've seen only a week ago with uh, GM, with Chevrolet, uh, doing big campaigns during NFL games. Now, I will leave you with a weekend read, a long read at time.com, entitled How CATL Became China's Electric Vehicle Battery King. I'll read you the first paragraph. In late 2019, residents in central Germany Awoke to find diggers breaking ground on a factory on the outskirts of town on the site of an old solar panel manufacturing plant stretching 57 acres, 100 football fields. The two billion dollar project was Germany's first large scale battery gigafactory with the capacity to pump out batteries for hundreds of thousands of EVs a year. But the factory was not being built by a German car maker, instead, financed and constructed by CATL. The company has already struck deals to supply batteries to Volkswagen and BMW. Now, that's an extract from a book, and the book is called Volt Rush, Winners and Losers in the Race to Go Green. And I'll pop a link to the Amazon. It's not an affiliate link, but just a, um, Amazon um, website. Looking at the Amazon description, the book says, we depend on a handful of metals and rare earths to power our phones and computers increasingly relying on them to power our cars and homes. Whoever controls finite commodities becomes rich beyond imagination. The author journeys to meet characters, companies and nations, scrambling for new resources, linking remote mines in the Congo and Chile's Atacama Desert to Chinese battery factories. Shadowy commodity traders, secretive billionaires, a new generation of scientists attempting to solve the dilemma of a greener world, and that's the book, from which the book is uh, the quote is taken. Maybe one that I'll add to the bookshelf at EV News Daily headquarters. Now, question of the week: Taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. Thanks to our premium partners of the podcast: Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the U.S. mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel. Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, they do global public charging, and they make it dead simple with one app and one map. And milbrookcottages.co.uk, five-star luxury cottages in Devon, where you can enjoy a break and charge your EV while you're there. Have a good and see tomorrow for Sunday show. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.